welcome to the Lord's house today. I just wanted to share uh, something that's been on my heart all week long. Um, it started, my oldest daughter came down to visit, and it started with a t-shirt that she was wearing. Said some simple words that I learned as a very young child. And everybody here knows those words too. And you know this song. And I wanted to just sing it. No music, just our voices. Because it's a truth that if you'll accept it, it will change your life. Sing with me. I hope I can get through it without start crying. Sing with me, and we're going to sing it kind of slow. We don't even need the word. Jesus loves me. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he.
Yeah. 
presence here today god i pray that you would be lifted up you would be glorified lord and as we sing this next song lord we just want to speak the name of jesus god we want to speak the name of jesus over our families over our friends over our church over our workplace and over our schools lord we just know that you have all power you have all strength god you have everything that we need god we just want to lift you up we want to speak your name wherever we go in jesus name we pray amen Daniel, if you would, give me just a second on the song. Um, I seriously considered using this for our in invitation song, and I really didn't know what to do. And uh, so I think I'm going to do both. The invitation at the end, after God's word is spoken, that invitation is going to be for you, okay, for you. I want to use this time right here to pray for someone else, okay? If you have somebody on your heart that you're burdened for, and you just want to come and pray for them. So I'm going to make this song a prayer song, and I want to make this a prayer song for someone else. At the end of the service, 
you're going to be praying about you. But during this song, if you have someone, you just, man, I'm burdened for them. I want to pray for them. If you want to come and pray during this song, come.
just want to speak the name of Jesus over every heart and every mind. Because I know there's peace within your presence. I speak Jesus. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 5, if we go through the book of Matthew Sundays, Matthew 5, 5, just one verse, the Beatitudes, blessed, blessed, blessed are you, blessed are you. We come to that uh, one verse, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are the meek. If you've been to Sunday school uh, very much in your life, you'll probably, you've probably looked at this verse, you know, the, the Beatitudes are a popular thing to study. We've all, if you've been to church a lot, Sunday school a lot, you've, you've, you've studied it. Uh, meek is not weak, okay? Meek is not weak. Uh, meek is, is power under control. Most of you have heard that. Some of the commentation, commentaries that I looked at, uh, the question was, well, are we talking about meek with God? Or are we talking about meek with each other? Or what are we talking about? And, of course, my reply to mo almost everything when you ask me things like that is both, okay? It's hard to be one and not the other. It's hard to be meek with God and not with each other and, you know, vice, vice versa. So it's, uh, it's not weak. It's power under control. We're not going to stay long there. Uh, next screen, there is an outline of this on the backside of your announcements. If you like to use that. Almost all of it's going to be on the screen also. Meekness is choosing hum humility. Uh, I don't know. I mean, we still use the word meek, but not maybe a lot. And uh, meekness is, is choosing hum humility. To be humble is a word that I think is very much associated with the word meek. Okay, But it's choosing to be humble. That's the key to it, choosing. If, um, if you're made to do it, then it's not meek. Part of being meek and humble is that you're choosing it. If you're not choosing it, then you've lost it. Um, and also, I, th I thought it was interesting, for instance, the Bible says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, and he will raise you up. Humble yourself. And the scripture says that quite a few times. Humble yourself. Because if, if God humbles you, that's not being humble. You didn't, you didn't choose it. Somebody made you do it. If God makes you be meek, or somebody else makes you be meek, then that, that, it's, uh, the, the word almost explains itself. If somebody's making you do it, then you're no longer it. To be humble is to choose to be. To be meek is to choose to be. If God makes you do it, you're not meek. If God makes you do it, you're not hum humble. Um, next screen. It is not acting as you could, but as you should. So, uh, uh, again, it's, it's a choice that that I'm going to do this. So there are so many choices in life, things I could do, things I could say, uh, take control of this, 
make a decision about that. I can handle this. I can, I can do that. I can do it. I can take control of it. I can accomplish it. I could do it. But meek, power under control, choosing to be meek, choosing to be humble, I choose not to stand up for my rights. I choose not to... Uh, I don't know how many people have asked me for help. Hey, I need, you know, five bucks for this or whatever. Just, I don't know how many times through the years people have asked me for help, and I'll do it. And somebody's standing by me and said, hey, you know what they're going to do with that. They're going to go waste it or whatever. I said, I, I know that. They don't know that. They don't know that I know that. It's going ahead and acting in a way that you don't have to, but you choose to. So you choose to be meek. You choose not to stand up for your rights. I like, uh, I like the, poker, the poker illustration. I like to keep an ace in my pocket. I don't have to show you all my cards. Okay? I like to keep an, keep an ace back that you don't know about. Uh, I always try to let my children know that I know I just don't have to tell you all the time that I know, but I, but I know. It's, it's not showing all your cards because you don't have to. That's a, probably not the best <laughs> illustration to use in church. But anyway, it's not acting as you could, but as you should. It's choosing to be meek. It's choosing to humble myself as far as God is concerned and to humble myself as far as you are concerned. Scriptural example, to me it's a perfect one. I guess that's why I chose it. Matthew chapter 26, verse 53. Okay, this, the scene is Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane. So this is the night before he dies on a cross for you. Jesus and some disciples are in the garden. Some soldiers come along and... Uh, are going to arrest him. Peter, remember the story? Peter draws a sword and cuts off, I think the man's name is Malchus, cuts off Malchus's ear. And Jesus said, no, stop. Put your sword back up. We're going to be meek. And this is where this scripture, so this is where this comes from. Uh, Jesus is saying to the disciples, we're not going to defend ourselves. We could, but we're not going to. Meek. So Jesus says, or do you think that I cannot now pray to my father and he will provide me with more than 12 legions of angels? Okay. 600 to a legion. 72,000 angels. Okay, um, I'm sorry, 6,000 to a legion. I'm sorry. You say, that doesn't add up. 6,000 to a legion. So 72,000 angels. And I went, I went back and read it again. Do you think that I cannot pray to my Father, he will provide me with more than? So the 72,000 angels is the minimum. I want you to just uh, stop right there, think about that. I'm fascinated. I've used the story of Elisha quite a few times, the story of him being in Dotham, Dothan, 
and his servant couldn't see the angels, but Elisha could. And he said, the hills are filled with angels and horses of fire and chariots of fire. And nobody else could see them but him. And then the servant could. As Jesus was in the garden, I don't know if he just knew there were 72,000 angels there or if he could see them. No doubt to me that he could see them. The disciples couldn't. The guards couldn't. The, 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 the soldiers couldn't. But Jesus could. So he said, now, now doesn't, when Peter drew that sword to cut off Malchus's ear, and the backdrop of that is 72,000 angels standing around with drawn swords. And Jesus looking at that puny one sword that Peter had. And said, Peter, put the sword back up. That ain't, that ain't nothing to what I can do. But I'm not going to. And so there is the picture of meek, humble. It's one thing to be meek when you have to be because somebody's making you. It's one thing to be humbled because somebody's making you. But Jesus isn't made to be meek. They're not humbling him. This, there's a reality to what Jesus says here. There are 72,000 angels at least standing by just waiting for my word, but I won't give the word. He was doing this the night before he died on a cross for you. This isn't the message, what I'm going to say right now, this isn't the message, but it is, it's interesting to me, I don't know if it's interesting to you. I wonder, I wonder if I'll ever get to know this, if God will ever tell me, show me. I wonder if there are angels in this room. Now I want you to wonder if there are angels in this room. I wonder if there are angels camped around this church house. You ever wonder about that? I guess you are now. I wonder if there are angels camped around. I wonder if there are angels camped around you. Some of you, I'd say, yeah. <laughs> you are so accident prone that there has to be angels camped around you. I wonder if there are angels camped around your house. I wonder if there are angels camped around your school and your workplace. The Bible has made it very plain that there were these instances and these times where there were huge numbers of angels that people could see, that Jesus could see, that Elisha could see, and the servant could see. That would really be cool, I think. Maybe, maybe not. Because almost every time somebody sees an angel, they're scared to death. He saw Jesus sees them. He said, I could call them, but I choose not to. Next screen. I'm going to lead us up to something different here. There's a greater good going on right now that you can't see. Stop right there. 
nothing else is going to make, nothing else is going to mean anything to you if you don't really believe this. That God is doing things, and there are things going on, and God is doing things right now that you can't see. That there are angels in this room that you can't see. That the Holy Spirit was waiting on you to get here that you can't see. That the Holy Spirit lives inside of us that you can't see. All you can see is the result. That the Holy Spirit is helping me right now, I promise you, or I couldn't do this. That the Holy Spirit's at work in me right now, and I can't see that. I can feel that. I can feel the Holy Spirit working right now. There are things going on that you cannot see. There is a greater good that you can't see. God at work right now, the Holy Spirit at work right now, and whatever it is that angels are assigned to do going on right now that you can't see. And God at work in your life that you can't see. See, the reason, one of the reasons, one of the reasons that we doubt that sometimes is because we can't see it. God, I, I, don't, I don't feel you at work. I don't see you at work. And there is the struggle with doubt because we can't see it. Well, we can't. Every once in a while, he'll draw back the curtain and let us see things, but not often. Not often, but every once in a while. I'm going to share this with you. This, what I'm going to tell you right now, goes with the message, but it, uh, hopefully it kind of goes with every message I will ever preach. Last Sunday, while I was preaching, this doesn't happen to me very often, but I had a revelation. I mean, I could see it. I could, I could feel it. I knew it. God was speaking to me about something last Sunday while I preached, but it didn't have anything to do with the message last Sunday. It had to do with this one. Sort of, I'm going to talk to you about what's coming next. doesn't do that very often. But I had a, a, just a strong, I mean, by a revelation, I mean convinced, revealed. Like, I know this is what God is saying. The revelation is simply this. Not going to be a shock to, to you, but I mean, this is what God is saying. And it will go with what I've said, and it will go with what will be said in weeks to come, I hope. God is after one thing with you. There's a lot of things he's doing with you, but he's ultimately after one thing. One thing. His target with you, his goal for you, comes from next script, uh, screen is Psalms chapter 116, verse 15. I use this in, in, in funerals quite a bit. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. It's not precious to us. We don't like to see the death of his saints. That's an odd verse, isn't it? David writes, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Why? There's one thing that God is after for you. 
There's one ultimate goal. Now, he's doing a lot of things. I'm going to try to remind myself of that and say that quite a bit. There's a lot going on in your life. There's, that, there's one thing that God is after. In fact, James, James Pagan and I, he used the word this morning, and I, I didn't tell him I was, it was on my mind, but he used the word in the, the twinkling of an eye. Sometimes we'll say it like this. When you leave this earth at, at your death, one second after your death, for those of us who are in Christ, you're going to see Jesus face to face. The Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And sometimes just because it's the smallest amount of time that we know, we say one second after you breathe your last breath, you're seeing Jesus face to face. I wanted to use the word because it just sounds so much better in the twinkling of an eye, however fast that is. In the twinkling of an eye, at your last breath, for those of us who are, who are in Christ, we will see Jesus face to face. Now, the revelation to me last week while I was preaching, that's what God is after. That. That point there's a pre, there, there's a point set where you're going to see Jesus face to face. That's what he's after. That point right there. He is desperately waiting to see you. Well, he sees me here. No, it's not the same. It's, it is not the same. It's not going to be the, be, be the same. And we're going to find that out. It's not the same. He is desperately, anxiously waiting to see you, to grab you, to hold you, to be with you eternally. He's waiting for that point right there. Everything that God is doing in your life is leading to that point right there, that twinkling of an eye point where he finally gets to be with you without this space in between. It's very similar to the story of the prodigal son when, where the father, where the, when the prodigal son comes home, the father runs to meet him. What's the father been doing looking out the window, waiting for that point when my son finally comes home? That's all the father can think about. The father's got a farm. The father's got other things to do. The father's got a lot of things to do, but he can't get off of his mind. He's been waiting for his son to come home. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Precious in the sight of the Lord is your death for those of us who are in Christ. If you're not a Christian, I'm just going to be very blunt with you, very frank. I'm not going to stay here. I'm not going to to drive this into the ground. If you're not a Christian, there's no hope. None. The Bible says in the story of the the rich man and Lazarus, the rich man died, and in hell he lift up his eyes. That's what it says. Without Jesus, there is no hope. Okay? There isn't. I have nothing for you. In Jesus, <laughs> all the hope is there. And that's what I want to concentrate on. He is waiting for that twinkling of an eye moment when he sees you, grabs a hold of you, 
And I, you know, it's, it's hard for me to preach this without remembering. My grandma uh, didn't get to see her two or, th two or three times a year, you know, so it was special to her. Um, we drive up, and she'd run out and just grab how grandmas do. My grandma, I've told this before, is like every grandma should be. She's short, fat, and old. Okay, and she just come out and grab it and and just smother you to death. So glad to see you. Been waiting to see you. Okay, what's God doing? What's what's everything He's doing? What? Why is He allowing this and why is He doing that? And I want you to know, without any shadow in, of doubt in my mind whatsoever, everything that God is doing for us who are in Christ is leading to that point. Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take a life, mental, cultural break right here. I want you to just take a break. That's what's on the mind of God. What's been on your mind? Right now, as you've come into the Lord's house, what are you consumed with? What is the burden? What is the stress? What is the problem? What is the prayer? What is the care? Because you've come in today with something that's weighing you down, that's burdened you down, that you, it's hard to get off your mind. It's hard to, uh, I've noticed this past week, uh, just because I was paying attention to it, the number of distractions that I've had this past week is in incredible, but I think it's just because I was watching for it. But the number of distractions that try to get me you know, off course and try to get me to change course and people trying to get me to think differently and on and on and on. What's going on with you? You see, what we do, and this is where I, I'm very careful to not minimize at all your care, your burden, your problem, but you see, what you've done and I've done is allowed that person or that thing or that worry or that stress to overtake us, to consume us. God is consumed with primarily one thing, getting you home, getting you home with him. He's consumed with that. That is Jesus dying on a cross to pay your debt to get you home. And he didn't have to. He chose to. Why did he do it? For you. Why? Because he sees that twinkling of an eye point where you finally are home with him forever. Nothing stands between you and him. He is consumed with that thought. Nothing else in comparison. Nothing else matters. Everything he's doing in your life is leading you day by day to that point. 
what's consuming you. You see, it isn't the same. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints, but it's hardly true with any of us. We never think of death as precious. We never think of it. it for us, it's the point we're trying to run away from. It's the point we're pushing away. It's the last thing we want to do. That's the irony of how God sees things and how you see things are almost sometimes entirely different. Okay, I need to change the way I see things. God is doing things in my stressful, you know, cult culture, in my, the, what I'm bogged down with, what I'm bur burdened with. God is still doing things leading me to that one point. No matter what's going on with me, he's still leading me to that one point where, he, where I see him and he sees me face to face. But in the meantime, I've got to go through a whole lot of things. But I'm trying to remember, okay, wait a minute, wait a minute. God's got a goal here. God's at, God's at work here. I'm trying to bring my eyesight to match up with his. And what he sees and I see are two different things. Okay, I want you to take whatever that biggest worry, whatever your biggest care, whatever your biggest problem, whatever your biggest prayer, I want you to put it in perspective. I don't care what it is. It's not as important as that twinkling of an eye moment when you see Jesus face to face. Everything comes in submission to that. But you have let your worry, your care, your burden, your stress overtake you. And it has become the most important thing. This morning, I'm going to ask you to do a big thing. And you've done it before. I'm going to ask you to do it again. And if you live very long, you're going to have to do it again. We're going to have a prayer time like we always do. And as I already said, this prayer time is about you. I want you to take your worry, your care, your burden. I want you to bring your prayer to an altar. And this is where I don't want to minimize People deal with cancer. People deal with job loss. People deal with divorce. People deal with relationship issues of all kinds. People deal with what the doctor has just said. That's really big stuff. So I don't minimize that at all. But we'll bring the really big stuff and lay it at an altar. And what we're saying is, Jesus, I know that you see this. And I know that you care. And even as important, as hard, as, as much struggle as this is, I know that you can take care of this. I know that you can deal with this. And I know that you can take care of me. And Jesus, what's really important, 
the ultimate is that I'm with you for an eternity. That's all that really matters. Everything else is under his blood. Everything else is under his blood. So I'm going to ask you to bring your prayer and give it to him. Say, Lord, help me get to the point that all I really care about is that point when I see you face to face and we'll deal with everything else. I want to ask you to stand and musicians come. I want to ask you to bow your head and we're going to let the unseen Holy Spirit deal with us and talk to us, comfort. The Bible says he is primarily a comforter. The Holy Spirit is primarily a comforter. And some have come to church this morning and that's exactly what you need. Pastor, I've got this issue, I've got this person, it is about to overwhelm me. I need prayer. And I want, and I know it's a big thing, and I know it's, I know it is, but it's not the ultimate thing. And I want to bring this issue and this person and this worry and this care to an altar. And this is for me. This is for me. I need this. I need the Holy Spirit to comfort me and to help me and to put this issue down where it needs to be and leave my relationship with Jesus as the most important thing. And ultimately, it's going to be the only thing I have left. If you need to come and pray, we'll pray with you and for you we try not to let any of us pray by our by, pray by ourselves we, we pray for each other if you need to bring your prayer to an altar and say Jesus I just need help with this while they play and sing we invite you to come